Hello and welcome. My name is Meryl Sorlin, and I'm a master's student at the University of Rhode Island. This is my interview with Scott Ruin, the Director of Conservation at the Audubon Society of Rhode Island. I asked him about restoration ecology. What is your education and training? I have a PhD in ecology and evolution, master's in botany, bachelor's in plant science. I've been working in ecology and evolution and restoration for about 20 years now. Before that, I was doing classic plant ecology work. Um, field biology. And specifically, what kind of projects do you work on? Do you have a few examples? Yeah. So in restoration, I've done everything from restoring and protecting rare and endangered species to eradicating invasive species like Phragmites and salt marshes, habitat protection, habitat manipulation, uh, the whole range, big and small. What kind of expertise does it take to accomplish a successful restoration project? I, I really think they have to be science-based. For a long time, restoration was criticized as being sort of gardening, particularly terrestrial restoration. Uh, so there were people who felt that it was not science-based. And we always try to do science-based to understand the ecology and biology of the system you're working in and use that as your standard. So do you try and get baseline data before, during, and after the restoration, stuff like that? <clears throat> Ideally, yes. Um, my challenge is we have limited time and money and, and staff and typically the type of grants we get they don't fund research so if we do any baseline it's for my own benefit it's for our own benefit and I wish I did because that would be perfect we're getting a lot of after uh, data but we don't always have the baseline for example birds have a couple two projects that we're trying to manipulate forest to attract um, what we call early successional species um, one was the New England cottontail so we are now birding and trying to get an idea of what birds are coming in, but sadly we don't have really good data on what was there beforehand, so you don't see the change. So when you say science-based, can you go into more detail about that? So my passion is really in plants, even though I work at Audubon. So it's good to know plant ecology. So plant life histories, their needs and wants, uh, soil biology, soil ecology is very important. How does soil nutrition change with removing or adding species? We, we do a lot on grassland restoration, for example, and there are a lot of farmers who hay our field, so they cut it late season, and a lot of them want to put out fertilizer, for example, and we know that if you add a lot of nitrogen fertilizer, you're going to encourage a lot of what we call the weeds, so the invasive species, right. uh, the non-natives, because the natives have a long evolutionary history of dealing with low fertility soils, so the only thing we occasionally allow is a little bit of maybe composted manure. The other thing is we're worried about it polluting estuaries if the grasslands are anywhere near streams and rivers. So that's a big concern, nutrient pollution going into Narragansett Bay. Well, this kind of ties into that, but what are the biggest scientific gaps we need to fill to improve restoration? Well, we always, you know, it sounds like a cliche, but we always need more knowledge about some of the basic species. We know so little about what are common species. So even like uh, salt hay and the salt marsh species, their life history, their ecological needs, the response to changing environment, we, we know very little about that, the basic classic research. I mean, luckily there are people doing that, but for practitioners like myself, we don't have the luxury of doing a monitoring of a patch of Spartina and see what, see what happens over five years. So I think that's key, and we, a lot of us feel like we're rushing because of uh, sea level rise and uh, climate change and all that. So when it comes to climate change, do you think we can use restoration to promote ecosystem resilience? It's that big black hole. We, we do have a lot of pr 
projections high and low of what, for example, sea level rise might look like. And so if we're working in salt marsh ecology, we, we sometimes joke, you know, should we even bother working on some of these low-lying areas because they're going to be inundated with water 10, 20, 30 years. One of the areas I work with, I used to do more, was uh, Phragmites control, which we've pulled back a lot on that because we realize it's silly. I think it's a waste of time a waste of, and too much use of pesticides to try to control Phragmites if you don't restore the hydrology. So the, the tidal flushing, the, the normal functioning that humans have screwed up. And also, a lot of times, even though people don't think of this, particularly our birding friends, Phragmites sometimes is the only habitat that's left in a lot of these suburban areas, and it often acts like a screen, gives the birds some privacy. Um, but most people think of Phragmites, they see it, and they, they want you to cut it all down. It also helps filter uh, pollutants coming into estuaries and things like that. So it's not as good as native, but it's better than nothing. Exactly, and if you cut it down, what it will come back, probably invasives if you don't do a lot of planting. So what's your favorite project? I, I think one that stands out is restoration of the what we call the Newman Farm. It's up in Smithfield and Gloucester. And when I first got here, um, it was an invaded pasture full of water olive. So a lot of woody species. Historically, it had been a, a livestock pasture, I think cows and sheep. And it had become so invaded... There was very low biological diversity, low bird use, low insect use. And so over a period of a few years, with a Department of Agriculture grant, we were able to eradicate and keep the autumn down to a level that was good where it looks like a grassland now. And we're getting great butterfly diversity out there, good bird diversity. So that's really exciting. And it looks you know, like a pasture, even though we don't have cows on the field. It looks what we wanted to. Because a lot of people think, you know, the end point for habitat restoration is, uh, is forest. But we recognize that there are species that need these open grasslands and shrublands. I would like to thank Dr. Ruin for sharing his time and expertise with all of us. Goodbye.